Yeah, it's substantially better. All right, great. Well, I can do that. That's an easy peasy, uh, bold and breezy solution. As they, that's what they typically say. As the saying goes, I don't think that's actually a saying. Easy peasy peasy, cover girl. Fun fact: Airport runways are numbered not sequentially, but rather labeled with their heading in degrees, or more precisely, deca degrees. Wait. Okay, hold on. So this kind of makes sense. These are the big numbers at the end of the runway. Planes yeah. come down and it says 18. Right. And that's saying that it's pointing 18 degrees. It's pointing 18 deca degrees. What the heck is a deca degree? Around the, <laughs> it's 10 degrees. It's a metric system. Oh, it's, it. hold on. <laughs> what, do you it's, just use degrees in America? <laughs> it's deca degrees, centigrees. Hold on. It's, it's what the hell? tens of Hold degrees, on. a decade so degree. Eighteen is indicating that the runway is pointed ten degrees in what direction? Eighteen indicates that it's a hundred and eighty eighteen times ten. Oh, okay. So you were just degrees me earlier. All right, cool. around okay. uh from north. So uh runway eighteen would be due south. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So it's Okay, so it's it's when you say deca degrees, what you mean is that they've dropped one of the that one order of magnitude. Yeah, yeah, because okay. just the numbering wouldn't be otherwise. You'd have like runway three sixty. Okay, so much. you've got so runway thirty six mm-hmm. would be pointing due north. Yes, runway zero would also be pointing due north. Yeah, so they don't use zero. Uh, they use one through thirty six, basically, and then for the like t- for the like the, like runway fifth, runway one through thirty six, runway sixteen, fourteen would be pointing a hundred and forty degrees to the south from north. Yeah, so it would be like not quite pointing south; it would be like south, would be a little bit east, and like nine would be like would be straight east, straight east, and then forty five would be like northeast. 45 would have gone all the way around again, and they wouldn't use... Oh, I mean, sorry. I mean, 4.5. Yeah. Yeah, 4 would be northeast. 4 would be northeast. Yeah. So basically... That seems unnecessarily complicated. Well, it's... Yeah, when you just do random numbers like that, (laughs) right? But it's basically just saying, like, you know, pilots... You know, as a pilot, I can speak from authority. Pilots think in terms of these headings and then degrees, right? So it's, it's intuitive for them to think, okay, well, 90 degrees is this way, and... And uh, 270 degrees is this way. Um, right, that, that makes sense. But nine is the one where it gets confusing. Well, it's just like they all the paint you would have to be painting all the extra digits. It's one extra digit. <laughs> it's like, well, but add up across all the airports in the world. It's um, three instead of two. Yeah, you forcing like 50, everyone it's like to 50% do math. More digits. I mean, wastage the- <laughs> on sustainability. You got to think about the okay. sustainability of that. That's ridiculous. That's what they had in mind when they made this system probably like 100 years ago. But yeah, yeah. so when you're coming down into the, to the airports, you often notice the giant numbers. Uh, obviously, it's important from the air uh, and even in like, you know, various varying conditions for the pilots to get that extra confirmation if they can that they're landing the correct runway. Yeah. Um, but that makes it seem like it could be anything. It could be like a b because there's like we're supposed to land on runway a b like why does it matter to them which direction the runway is is and also is it the way that it's heading away from them or the way that it's heading towards them good question both so most runways at most airports can be landed on uh in either direction depending on the wind conditions right okay that's Um, smart and so 
if you're coming down runway one, yeah, uh, and you're going to go land on that, then coming from the other direction, it would be runway 19 flipped 180 degrees. And so the same <laughs> runways actually have different numbers painted on either end. Okay, but is the one pointing, is the one suggesting that north is behind you or in front of you? Oh, uh, in front of you. Okay, so the one is telling you this runway is headed from your perspective north. Yeah, like when you're, because you're on, when you're on your, your dashboard, <laughs> as they, I'm sure, call it in the cockpit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, has a readout of what he- your heading is. It's like a Model 3 Tesla. It's just one iPad. Yeah, it's just a big flat iPad with a number, which is your current heading. Okay. Um, and so if it was 10 degrees, and then you would know you should be mo- flying towards uh runway one knowing obviously you have been told okay come you can come in on runway one you know that you should be approaching runway one from a 10 degree heading if you're going to be coming because it's important that you're coming into the runway straight (laughs) and you're not just like oh i see the runway i think i'm kind of coming in that general direction the number one is obviously not the first time you see that they tell you runway one and you okay it's not just visual inspection i mean maybe it's um no it's to confirm for sure but you, you the point here is that they tell you Oh, you're going to land at runway one. And then in your head, you, you do math because that's what you want people to have to do. And you, you say, okay, runway one, that is 10 degrees minus th- 360 degrees. So basically north. And, uh, and so now I know, okay, I want to be sort of headed north on a north approach. My guess is if you're a professional pilot, you're not like, oh, okay, one. Okay, so that's 10 <laughs> degrees. So that's like pretty much north. Okay, so I guess I yeah. should probably start flying north. Like it, you probably are a little more. My, my cousin is currently training to be a, a pilot. Oh, okay, we can ask he's him. In, he's in pilot school. I should ask him. Yeah, I think once you get to the point where like you're the primary person piloting a commercial airliner, you've got that. Yeah, just and, and he wants to be a commercial airline pilot. That's what he's in school for. So I, I, should, I should, uh, should follow up with him. Yeah. Um, a little extra, uh, thing about that is that a lot of airports have parallel runways because the runway gets built, the airport gets busier. And so they, it's easy to expand and have another runway beside it. Um, but then you need to be able to distinguish the two. So like at SFO, you have 10 L and 10 R. Oh, but I'm right, right left dyslexic. So, so to you, you should maybe not be a pilot. Otherwise <laughs> you could, could be having a target because you'd be, you'd be like, well, I'll come down 10 L, but you're actually coming down 10 R, which is 28 L the other way oh, could no. be in for a bad time. Although I guess flames would probably mostly be landing in the same direction, but. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. It's 28 L the other way. Yeah. The L and the R would be flipped, but would doesn't flipped. Like, when you're landing on a runway, it doesn't really matter to you. It's not, <laughs> it's not part of the pilot's concern to be worrying about who's landing on the runway other than them in the other direction like that. Normally I think that's part of the air traffic controls area of <laughs> influence. Um, so they're probably not super worried. Like, okay. Well, are we coming? Who's is landing on the way? Um, I think it's probably just, they're worried about their own landing, but I don't know. Maybe if you're a pilot, you let us know. We're recording this podcast in, in June of 2021. We are. Yeah. Which means nobody, for the Has most flown part... flown for a long time. Yeah. To some, to some definition of nobody, because I've flown multiple times, but some, to some definition of nobody, nobody has flown. Why did you suddenly become obsessed with trying to find out what the numbers were at the end of runways? Have you been to a runway? <clears throat> no. No. Although no. you have. I assume yes, I have. you got yeah, from no, Germany to California. That's right. Um, that you likely took an airplane. But no, I have not been on an airplane since 2019, um, yeah. which is a long time for me. But uh, I don't know. I came across this. I tend to, I have my, my uh, tickler file of the various facts that mm-hmm. I sort of put little notes mm-hmm. of things I mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. interesting. And this was in there for a little while. And I kind of dug into it and, and found the L&R thing, which are kind of interesting. And 
don't know, kind of, it kind of struck my fancy. I don't know why I, like, I picked this one, but. Okay. Well, yeah, I just wanted to see if you were for some reason, because I know, for example, uh, in Berlin, there's a, there's an airport that was, that was shut down, hmm. but they kept the runway and it's just like, you can just go there. It's like a public space now. Oh. But it's just a runway or maybe it's multiple runways. I wonder if the numbers are still painted on that runway. It feels like that's kind of part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's without the numbers, it's even stick. a runway at that point. Yeah. If you just like can draw a cartoon runway, it's just mm. a long rectangle with a big giant number with on a, the end. A big giant. Well, it is now for me forevermore. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, now I'm going to be obsessed with like, okay, what direction am I facing? Drawing the runway. Now I got to get the angle correct from where I am to north. And you're like double checking the pilot's math. Okay, well, this is <laughs> no, I mean, when I draw 18, it on paper, it's 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. Well, like for a kid. Drawing, drawing runways. I've been drawing, yeah, I've been drawing way more uh, poor renditions of things with a four year old. Can you yeah. draw a beaver? And I'm like, yeah, I know what a beaver looks like. It's got the big flat tail. Oh, no, I do. I, I'll do some duck duck going or some ecosiaing. I will. I'm like, okay, let me like, get a picture here. And I'm doing it on like an etch a sketch often. So, oh, yeah. Or like not an etch a sketch. What's the one that has an actual pen? Is that still an etch a sketch? Oh, the magna magna doodle. Yeah, the magna doodle. That's right. I feel like it sounds like I made that up, but I feel like it might actually be magna doodle. Wait. Okay. So this is the SFO. This yeah. Is so some I've of sent the... to San Francisco airport. Why? So wait. So diagram. why do they do zero one? Oh, apparently some airports, I think something about like international airports is not certain categorization of airports do zero one for the numbering or zero two through three. So it's always two digits in the same way that you will see more formal systems and like military and stuff that will be like, you know, Oh seven for 7am to make sure that, you know, for sure that you didn't miss a digit or that they're not referring to 7pm as seven. I feel like they could just add one more digit. (laughs) You just wanted to waste all these digits. I feel even, even more strongly now about that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's very interesting. You know why it struck me as cool is because it's a thing that is out in the world and that you see that has more meaning, but the meaning I, is... I do it, like that. Yeah. It's like yeah. been there and you've probably come across it and you've seen it, that it was just it, it hidden in plain sight. You know, at some point a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember, I was learning to read Japanese. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe we were talking about that a little. And it was really cool because I live in a place with a lot of uh asian american you know specifically east asian americans specifically primarily chinese people Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there's a lot of writing around me in chinese and japanese and chinese are very similar so once you can read japanese you can read a lot of chinese and it suddenly a million things that had just been nothing to me there had all this meaning meaning. i was surrounded by meaning i was like oh that's a that's a place to get money you know or whatever yeah and it's like oh wow i did not know that i never saw it it didn't exist to me but now it has meaning yeah, that's a really cool thing about just learning about the world in general. This suddenly yeah. you peel back a layer and then suddenly you're like, oh, hey, actually this thing that was in front of me is now interesting instead of it just exactly. kind of being part of the background. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of like when you get glasses for the first time and then it's like, oh, all these blades of grass are separate blades. <laughs> right? It's like this thing that was always in front of me, but it's, you know, oh, actually it's a what, distinct uh, thing now. At what age did you get glasses? Uh, maybe 12 or yeah, so. See, I was seven, so I don't remember it very well. Yeah, I was 10 to 12. And then I f- did a while, for a while. I mean, I was a very much, as a kid, a loser of objects. And so we would lose my glasses oh. or displace them or whatever. And so I was like... I never lost glasses. 
I was kind of more of just like a sit up at the front of the class instead of having my glasses. And then when I was 16, I learned to drive and then immediately got into an accident. And then it's like, maybe you should have glasses. And then so I got glasses and then I just wore them every day since. And then don't miss them. Yeah. So I've been wearing glasses every day since I was seven or eight. So yeah, I don't really remember before that, but I would say that to all of the fun factors out there, if, if I had done a serve, we had done a survey of you prior to this moment on this podcast, I think a hundred percent of you would have guessed that both Alan and I wear glasses. <laughs> Stereotypes. <laughs> it is. It is. But I think I'm allowed to Just say because it. Because we're nerdy programmers for obsessed with facts doing a podcast on the internet doesn't mean. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I know people like that who don't wear glasses, but. You know, these it, it is it's just a funny stereotype. So I don't have a, a I don't have an airplane fact for you, but it, you do need to take an airplane to go to the place places <laughs> of my fact. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah, from where you or I live. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So fun fact: in the court case of Iceland versus Iceland, mm-hmm. a mirror matchup, they call it. Iceland won. Iceland won. Yeah. Huh, shocker. It was, it was that they called it an upset. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I think of it as the legal battle of the century. Yeah. Which, well, which I it's, suppose it's a fair fight. Yeah. It isn't saying that much though. Cause it's only 2021 right now. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. We're getting, we're getting we're to the like point where the thing in. of the century, once you're fifth yeah. in, the thing of the century has a one in five chance of having occurred. So that's, I guess that's true. So, you know, it's to, plausible to, to I'm going to do this like a boxing match. Let's set up our competitors on, on each side of the ring. Okay. 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 So on, 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 in this corner, we have, well, we have Iceland. And let me ask you, are you aware that there is a supermarket chain in the UK and parts of Europe called Iceland? No. <laughs> yeah. So, so in one corner, we have supermarket chain Iceland. Okay. Founded 1970. Okay. 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 Has more than 850 stores, employs 20,000 people. And their trainers kind of like giving them a bit of a massage, pumping them up. Yeah, they're getting ready for the fight. In the opposing corner, we have Iceland. So are you aware that there's a country called Iceland? I have heard of it, yes. Okay, so in this corner, we have the country of Iceland. Mm -hmm. According to the sagas founded in 874, Mm -hmm. so about 1,100 years before the supermarket chain. Yeah, so it's got a kind of an age... It's a bit unfair that way. Yeah. It's located in the North Atlantic. And uh, even though it's 80% as big as England, it has only 360,000 citizens. Right. But I would say still, though, probably pretty like a bit of a weight advantage. Like Iceland probably weighs more the the, the entire than Iceland, the nation. Supermarket chain. Yeah. Like supermarket chain, pretty heavy as far as yeah. things yeah, yeah. go. As far as things go. So in 2002... Iceland, the supermarket chain, mm-hmm. applied for an EU-wide trademark to the name Iceland. <laughs> okay. Which was granted to them in 2014. By the EU. By the EU. And afterwards, Iceland, the supermarket chain, apparently started suing various brands. That were associated with the country. used the name Iceland or mentioned being Icelandic or had okay, slogans okay, well. promoting their Icelandic origin or heritage. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And they won a lot of those battles. I don't know. Especially Icelandic heritage? Oh. Yeah. Eventually, they sued the wrong company. Mm. Yes, I love it when that happens. They sued a company called Island Stofa over the, their trademark, quote, inspired by Iceland. Mm, okay. 
only to discover when they got into the legal uh, action that the legal owner of Islandstofa was the government of Iceland. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They you stepped on they, the wrong toes, buddy. Yeah, the supermarket chain said, had we known that this was the government of Iceland, we would have gone about this differently. But at any we rate... We might have been a little more diplomatic. Yeah. Uh, the country of Iceland was understandably not amused mm-hmm. and sued to have the trademark taken away. Yeah. So now we've got Iceland versus Iceland. And I told you, Iceland won. So before I yes. I reveal, which Iceland do you think I was referring to when I said Iceland won? Please make it to the country. <laughs> one to keep their own name. <laughs> so yes, Please. in 2019, okay. the European Union Intellectual Property Office, which I just assume is pronounced WIPO. Yeah, that's what I've always thought it was. Yeah, ruled that the supermarket chain cannot register an EU trademark for Iceland. Yeah, and uh, they got their appropriately got their butts handed to them. Yeah, by. Weepo said, quote, it has been adequately shown that consumers <laughs> in EU countries know that Iceland is a country in Europe and also that the country has historical and economic ties to EU countries in addition to geographic proximity. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked you if you knew it was a country. I figured we'd add to their survey. Yeah, I also in, is, am familiar with that fact. But but slight twist that I th- I find amusing. So, you know, thank goodness common sense prevailed and all that. You know, I, the right Iceland won. But uh, ironically, Iceland, the supermarket chain, was actually for quite a few years during that period owned by an Icelandic consortium. Oh. And then by two Icelandic banks when the Icelandic consortium failed. But like after being founded. So it wasn't founded by... No, no, no. Founded by an e- English people it, like in 1970 and then in like... 2000 something it was acquired by like uh, uh an icelandic consortium huh they're probably just like i don't know it's called iceland let's buy it you feel like that couldn't have been like a hundred percent unbiased no i no, i yeah so <laughs> i was reading about somebody who i wish i could remember what it was but it was one of these companies where it was like fitz foods incorporated it was like some big public company it was like oh well uh, who was it owned by it was like owned by roger fitz who bought it in 1973 it happened to have the same name as him and, and you're like happened like, to like you were you really completely uh you know arm's length like hmm, i'm just gonna evaluate this on its merits or you're like i want this deal to work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think so because you know so then everybody's like oh the founder of fitz foods right and you just, you know, I bet he just lets him think that. Yeah. Anyway, I found that amusing. Yeah, I do find that amusing. And I'm glad that the correct outcome won. And I also always like stories of people who are misusing intellectual property law to try to go around and cause trouble and try to extract. Getting their comeuppance. And then getting their comeuppance by people who yeah. are willing to fight back. Yeah, I agree. Those are good, good stories. It's like this cloud flare, like patent trolls going around trying to sue companies and shake them down. And if they sue cloudflare then cloudflare has like a policy of just like taking it to them and fighting it not just be like like because they'll push back and be like oh okay fine fine you don't have to pay the licensing it's like no 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 no. we're getting your patent invalidated yeah. <laughs> we're actually going to end this you're it's like oh you just... don't need to do that because we're actually no we'll just give you a license it's fine we'll just give you a license like, and we'll no, go pick no, up no. somebody else nope nope no, you're, you're going down yeah yeah i like it makes me happy um i have a technology tip okay is it technology from iceland because otherwise i'm not i was saying i forgot that i was supposed to do an icelandic technology yeah sorry but i forgot so i'm just gonna have to make do with this one okay fun fact you can close all your tabs on your iphone or ipad at once by tapping and holding the little switch tab button in the corner and then it gives you a little menu 
and you can tap close all 271 tabs. Okay, but what monster would do that? What do you mean? <laughs> like, who would do that? Like, what are you doing with all those tabs? I'm saving stuff that I want to look at later. How many tabs do you have? Let's check. Okay, you open, I, so you go into the Safari, wherever, yeah. and then yeah. you, in the middle corner, there's this little two square and a square, and you tap and yeah. hold that. And then okay. it says, close all. Okay, so at the moment, I only have 34. Oh, okay. That's a, but, I, but I have had more. I let them build up. Yeah, I had 999 when this had come up, or like whatever the maximum one. And I, the re- that's why I was so glad to hear about this, is because... Yeah. Yeah, I was having to periodically go in there and then go XXXXXXX and close a bunch of tabs so that I could mm-hmm. open more tabs. Like, so I could open yeah, okay, no, no. Websites. In your situation, if you if you literally cannot open any more tabs <laughs> because you have too many tabs open. But the thing is, I, the reason I will open a new tab is because something on my, the tab I was on is something that I either want to look at at my desk or I want to read later or I want to refer to. Yeah, but there's, there's a like lot of things that just open a, a new tab. Like if you open something from an email or from slack yeah, but or, I, cl- I clean those up yeah i don't think most people do that no so for me maybe not i don't know but for me the idea of closing all my tabs would be uh, horrible it's like i put work into those tabs maybe like data loss yeah i would yes i would be losing you know some product that i want to buy that like for example when we were in uh, germany i was listening to friend of the show adam lee scores phenomenal podcast all consuming I need to try that one. You should give try it. it. It's great. It I yeah. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a, a, a nine point two out of a hundred. Oh, and that's really low. No, that's an incredible score. It's oh okay. That's high. part of their scoring. Okay, <laughs> now. Uh, but um, I, I'm gonna say that they they were talking about this this uh, cereal. It was it was like a kid cereal for adults. Oh, is it the Magic Spoon stuff? That's like fake flavor magic spoon it's sugar or whatever and i i wanted to try it but they didn't ship to germany Hmm. so like i had a tab open for the whole time i was there and then when i got home i went to that tab and i ordered the cereal yeah that's definitely the most straightforward way to keep track of a purchase like that is in your iphone background tab (laughs) of a plan of what you want it worked yeah Mm -hmm. i tried the cereal it's not for me yeah wow yeah i mean any of those fake i I think i have problem with the fake sugar things often is like i actually want things to be a bit less sweet and i'd be oh i know the sugar is bad for me and so i'll be open if you use a little bit of artificial sweetener but for me often what i would want is like take the original recipe and then make it like you know 60 percent of the sugar that you normally put in it and then 20 percent artificial sweetener and it's also 20 percent less sweet but instead what a lot of them do is oh well now because it's artificial sweetener we can just make it arbitrarily sweet and so they make it no sugar and then 150 percent artificial sweetness and then it's just yeah so what's interesting about it is that that was not the issue that I had with it hmm. because the artificial quote unquote sugar they use is called allulose, which is not exactly artificial. It's just a rare sugar that is less sweet than sugar. Okay. And they use that in like monk fruit. So it, it's not. Sounds expensive. Super sweet. It's, it's, it's not like overly sweet and it, it's not, it doesn't feel like that stevia, like fake sugar thing. Oh, okay. The problem actually is that they, there's like some tapioca or something in there. It just has like a very weird mouthfeel that kind of sticks with you after you're done eating it and it's just it isn't a nice mm. is it like gluten-free or something too it's like they're getting yeah all they're the like extra this free that dairy free nut free doing more than they need to do and it it just it's not organic it's not great it just doesn't kosher doesn't leave you in a it doesn't leave you with a nice feeling in your mouth so yeah. kosher is actually one of the ones that's good like if somebody's kosher it's like okay great like yeah, yeah kosher is great i have kosher no downside not, there's no real downside to that but the no, ones where it's like 
like I'm often confined if there's just one thing like if it's dairy free for your obviously if you very you've dietary restrictions then it's great that those things are available but for me where I am <laughs> dietarily privileged that I can have mm-hmm. all the things when I see mm-hmm. something that has just one of them like dairy free or gluten free or sugar free whatever I'm like oh okay well you know try that might be good but once it gets to be like there's an entire laundry list of all the things that aren't in it <laughs> I start to get a little it's like okay this is just monk fruit and dust isn't it. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. I get tapioca I dust, which is not, turns out not that delicious. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of of cereal, fun fact: although it's possible to get milk from a pig, it's not really worth actually doing it. <laughs> this is one of the least surprising facts that uh, that we've had in a while. But I'm curious to learn more about uh, you know that. <laughs> So I I was thinking to myself these days you know it seems like we drink the milk from almost everything is that is that how you would I mean I can think of quite a few things that I don't drink the milk of we got cow milk goat milk oat milk almond milk pea milk we're rocking oh, okay, the pea milk okay. here soy milk whatever yeah, lots yeah. of milks there are a lot of milks yeah I, I mean. <laughs> I think that the majority of those are stretching the term milk quite a bit, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But I've never heard of anyone drinking pig milk, so I wanted to know why that was. Pig milk definitely sounds like the punchline to a joke and not an actual product. <laughs> well, so as, a, as it turns out, pig milk is not that different from cow's milk. Hmm. Okay. It's, I'm a little it's, it's, that. It's, it's more watery and it has more than double the fat content. Okay. But, but broadly speaking, it should work. Wait a minute, just a little bit of a pause. Isn't mostly what makes milk not watery the fat content? Yeah, I don't understand that either, but apparently it's described as more watery but with more fat. But I guess there's like the lactose, like the sugar, so maybe it's like less sugary, more fatty. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Right. That's a great question. Don't know the answer. Okay. But uh, but but given all everything I said, it should be, probably should work, broadly speaking, but it's not considered a viable agricultural product, and there are a few, and I think good, reasons for that. Okay. The the first and one marketing is marketing is not the primary one. <laughs> no, because pea milk wouldn't be a success if that were true. <laughs> we literally drink pea milk in my house. What the hell? Not the most like well branded milk. Again, also say. sounds like a punchline to a joke, but that's yeah. Funny. So the 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 first issue with pig milk is that it turns out it's not that easy to milk a pig. Yeah, I mean cows definitely have an advantage there. I mean I think they've been probably uh, kind of helped along by breeding programs over yeah. millennia, but like. The ergonomics of milking a cow are pretty difficult to beat. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So so sows, female pigs, are reluctant to be milked, for one thing. And apparently lactating pigs are especially aggressive. Oh, that's not ideal. Right. But on top of that, sows have 8 to 16 small nipples. Uh, yeah, it's not quite the arrangement you want. And each one only gives a little bit of milk and not for a very long time. Right, because they just have the little piglets. They get a whole pile of piglets all over the place. Right. So So a pig's milking time... Averages around 15 seconds, <laughs> which compares to 10 minutes for a cow. Yeah, okay. Additionally, an average pig only produces around 13 pounds of milk per day, which compares to a cow's 65 pounds. I'm, I'm still actually pretty surprised that a pig makes 13 I know, 13 is a lot, right? That's I a thought, lot of I was like, of 13 is a lot of milk. There's, there's also no milking machines that have been designed to handle milking a pig's nipples. Well, you know they would if it was profitable, but yeah. That's right. But the, the main reason I think why that they don't do it is because pigs can't become pregnant while they're lactating, mm-hmm. which cows can. So it makes a commercial operation much less viable. Yeah. 
But also, apparently, pig milk is, uh, and I think this is where you assumed I was going, unappealing to people who have tried it. Well, I mean, you weren't like watery is not. Well, so apparently, so pig pigs are omnivorous. Oh, okay, yeah, and that leads to a milk that's much gamier, like even uh, gamier than goat's milk. Yeah, goat's milk's pretty gamey. Goats are mostly herbivores, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So one thing that people do do with with pig's milk, though, even though it's super hard to get, is that there've been some experiments making cheese from it. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's the kind of thing so, like hipsters or that's right. So organic farmers would do. So I have two stories for you. So Chef Edward Lee, who apparently was on Top Chef, mm. made pig's milk ricotta that he described as, quote, delicious. Okay, according to him. And, yeah, and a Dutch farmer produced an experimental pig cheese, uh, which sounds good, except that that story actually shows kind of helped explain to me why this isn't more widespread, because the farmer said it took more than 10 people milking the sows for dozens of hours <laughs> to make only a few kilograms of cheese. Yeah, that's not really gross. It was described as tasting chalky and a little bit salty, uh, uh, okay. saltier and creamier than other cheese, but also grainier, which does not sound not particularly idea. appealing. It was sold to an anonymous buyer at a charity auction for $2,300 per kilogram. Okay, so but even at those prices, the farmer said it wasn't economically viable to produce more. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, when it's like thousands of dollars a kilogram, and it's just like, ah, uh, we can't handle these low prices to produce this. That's product, right. That's a, by the way, that's a higher price per kilogram than the most expensive variety of cheese. Yeah. Do you know what the most expensive cheese varietal is? Uh, no, actually. So that would be, and I'm sorry for the Serbians in the audience because I'm uh-huh. going to butcher this pronunciation, but that would be the Serbian. Pule or pool cheese. Okay. It's P-U-L-E, which sells for $600 a kilogram. Okay. And is made of 60% Balkan donkey milk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Donkey milk definitely is... Yeah. There there was a woman, Susanna Montgomery, Uh, Countess of Eglinton... Eglinton. She was famously known for washing her face with pig's milk and then drinking it. Okay. And she recommended this as a treatment to others as a natural beauty regimen. Sure. Do you want to guess when she lived? Uh, In a time where she was saying that you should wash your face with pig's milk? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 1890. So she lived in the 1700s. Okay. So I, I think that you should probably take her health advice with the appropriate grain of salt, but... She lived to be 90. Oh, that's pretty good. In the 1700s. Pretty good. And by all accounts, retained her youthful appearance and figure until the day she died. Wow. So I'm I'm contemplating getting a pig. See, I was getting pretty skeptical about the pig milk. Yeah. Now you turned it around. Yeah, yeah. So I have a Although sub. maybe that donkey milk might be cheaper. <laughs> the donkey milk is definitely it's cheaper. Quite, but you got to go to the Balkans. The that's the only thing. Je ne sais quoi. I feel like I feel like pig milk sounds like you could get people on board because like other pig products are thought of as tasty. People like pig products. Yeah, people like pig products. It's a popular animal. I feel like donkey would it be a harder sell. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So as a sub fact, I was reading and I came across this anecdote that there are about 6000 mammal species worldwide. Mm hmm. But Americans get 97% of all dairy products from cows. Yeah. And they they were like, you know, what's up with that? And they did point out that we do get milk from sheep and goats and buffalo. Uh, and in other countries, they drink the milk of the camel and the yak and the mm-hmm. reindeer mm-hmm. and the elk and the horse. Yeah. 
but it's mainly cows. And the answer is everything we said. It's not that complicated. Cows are just like ideally suited for this because they have a high milk output, as we mentioned. They've been bred to be docile. Their milk naturally separates into cream and milk. The fat content is similar to human milk, which makes it especially palatable to people. Mm. And it has a relatively bland flavor, all things considered, which makes it ideal for creating many different kinds of right, cheeses. other dishes. Yeah. That you make out yeah. of milk. Uh, and, like, you mentioned them being bred to be docile, but they are also bred to, like, make more milk and all that. That's right. They were bred for milk production. Probably back to before history, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking old school. So, yeah. Huh. Pig milk. Pig milk. Not going to try it. I mean, it sounds like it would be challenging. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get some of the donkey milk. We'll put it on our, uh, we're going to make the, we'll put it on our impossible burgers. Oh yeah. We'll put it. I was going to, you know, my, my wife the other day was like, you can order an impossible burger. And I was like, no, I can't order an impossible burger because I haven't had one with Alan yet. We had a plan literal years ago now, literal years ago, they were going to have a fun fact and pass a possible burger taste off after I reviewed its ingredients, which are fascinating and varied. Um, but, uh, that stopped being possible and then it's starting to verge and again, maybe impossible? considering that we may see each other. Oh in the yeah. Next year. It's, it's getting more possible. Yeah. It started being an impossible and now it's potentially possible. Yeah. So we'll do the impossible burger and then we'll do, wait, are we, we do doing donkey milk. cheese or are we no, wait, we're doing, I think we're doing donkey cheese cause I don't know how we're going to get any pig. I don't want to <laughs> spend dozens of hours milking a pig. <laughs> I think we owe it to our audience, like, we've kind of set up expectations now. and <laughs> Dozens of hours. It's what we signed up for. It's what I signed right. up for. Well, all right. I signed up for you spending dozens of hours doing things to prove points to the audience. I mean, I'm just saying, we're going to buy the most expensive cheese in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, apparently, Zasavika Donkey Reserve, which is a donkey farm near Belgrade, produces the cheese by hand-milking a herd of 100 endangered Balkan donkeys. Is the word donkey inherently funny, or is it because of Shrek? <laughs> because of what? Shrek. Uh, it might be a Shrek. I think donkey is pretty funny, though. It's pretty funny. So they sell it for $576 a pound, and then the money sp- sponsors their conservation work. To conserve the donkeys. To conserve the donkeys. <laughs> Are they, wait, so did we maybe cover this already? Are they like an endangered kind of donkey? They're, yeah, they're endangered donkeys. Okay, okay. All right. So they really actually do need to be conserved. But then the price they pay for conservation is that they need to be milked. Yeah, every April a festival called World's Donkey Day is held. World's Donkey Day, but it's only held in this one town. Yeah, teams from several countries, Serbia, Hungary, Slovenia, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, compete in the preparation of the donkey stew. Okay. Honestly, yeah. like, I'm not a donkey food <laughs> connoisseur, but if I'm like, okay, you need to make, we're going to make some dish out of donkey, what are you going to go for? And stew. I would think stew would be appropriate. Yeah, stew seems right. Yeah, I think that's about right. All right, so we're going to take, for the show, we'll take a trip to Serbia. Do they have Impossible Burgers in Serbia, though? I don't know. That's a good question. We'll bring, hmm. uh, we'll go to mm, Serbia, we'll get mm. the cheese, we'll come back. What be- what travels better, Impossible Burgers or, che- or donkey cheese? I think donkey cheese. But then are the import duties, are they a percentage? Because you don't bring them to Canada with the 100% well, you duty can't, on no, you cheese. Can't bring them into, you can't bring them into, yeah, you can't bring them into Canada for that reason. And you can't bring them into California because of, they basically just don't let you bring any food into California. So, uh, yeah. yeah. They just want you to buy their food. That's right. It's a scheme. 